Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to all who are gathered on Zoom this morning to take part in Kensington Unitarians' online Sunday service. Welcome to members of the congregation, to friends and visitors who are with us today, and to everyone who might be listening on the podcast later on or watching this video on YouTube. My name's Jane Blackall, and I'm a member of the staff team at Essex Church. I've been a part of this congregation for 21 years now. And I'm also a ministry student in my third and hopefully final year of training with Unitarian College. Now anyone who was already a regular at our services in the time before Zoom, as I'm going to call it, anyone who was a regular can testify that when I'm not actually leading services, I'm very much a lurking in the back row kind of person. So you'll know that I'm really being sincere when I say, please feel free to quietly lurk if that's what you need to do this morning. Of course, it is lovely to see everyone's faces. It helps us get a sense of really being together as a gathered community, even though we're online. But there will be opportunities for you to join in if you want to. They're just opportunities. They're invitations to speak or to sing. If you just want to keep your head down and keep your camera off this morning, that is absolutely fine by us. This morning's service is the first of a two-parter, something slightly different for us, a two-parter considering the question, why are we here? I'll be introducing the theme this morning and then several members of the congregation are going to share their own perspectives and their wisdom on the topic next Sunday. Now I should say, please don't go all trades descriptions act on me for false advertising. This is not why are we here in the existential sense of why do we exist at all? Why is there something rather than nothing? Instead, we'll be pondering the rather more down-to-earth but no less vital question of why we, each of us, are here at church, this church, this beloved community known as Kensington Unitarians. What is it that's drawn you and me, all of us, to gather together as a Unitarian congregation? What hopes and dreams, values and needs brought us here in the first place? And perhaps especially we could ask, what is it that keeps us coming back? even in these strange and turbulent times when being here means something quite different to what we've been used to. But nonetheless, here we are together in this moment. And perhaps we could do with taking this moment to fully arrive, to be here now. So let's pause to breathe. and intentionally set aside, at least for a while, some of the mind's hubbub, all those other demands on our time and energy. They can wait. I don't know what sort of week you've had. Life seems hard going for many of us right now. But whoever you are, however you are, whatever state you woke up in this morning, even if you're still finishing your cornflakes, you're welcome in this gathering just as you are. And whether it's your first time here or your thousandth, I welcome you with these words by Kimberly and Tom Jack Carlson, the Unitarian Universalist, who wrote, It's not by chance that you arrived here today. You've been looking for something larger than yourself. Inside of you there is a yearning, a calling, a hope for more, a desire for a place of belonging and caring. Through your struggles, someone nurtured you into being, instilling a belief in a shared purpose, a common yet precious resource that belongs to all of us when we choose to share it. And so you began seeking a beloved community, a people that do not put fences around love, 
a community that holds its arms open to love's very possibilities. A heart home to nourish your precious soul and share your many gifts. So welcome home. Welcome to this hour of worship. I'm going to light our chalice as we do each Sunday and at other times when we gather. This is a simple ritual that connects us with Unitarians and Unitarian Universalists the world over. And it reminds us of the proudly historic and progressive religious tradition of which this little gathering is part. We like this chalice for all who are here and all who are not. For all who have ever come through the doors of Essex Church or indeed through the digital doors of the Zoom waiting room. For those who may yet find their way to this spiritual community. And for all those new ways of doing and being church together, of touching and transforming lives, those ways that we can't even yet imagine. For each of us and for all, may this little flame burn warm and bright. This prayer is based on some words by the Unitarian Universalist lay minister, Kyle Johnson. As we join in prayer, you might want to adjust your position for comfort. You might want to close your eyes or soften your gaze. Perhaps there's a posture that makes you feel more prayerful, whatever works for you. Whatever works to get you into the right state of body and mind for us to pray together, to be fully present here and now in this sacred time and space we're co-creating with ourselves, with each other and with that larger presence which holds us all. Spirit of life, God of all love, in whom we live and move and have our being, as we turn our attention to the depths of this life, the cosmic mystery and wisdom that abides in all that is, we tune in to your holy holding presence within us and amongst us. It's said that you make the sun rise and the life-giving rains fall on both the just and the unjust. And in that way, yours is an abounding and generous grace. We give thanks for our life's many gifts. But it's also true that none of us are ever really spared, neither the just nor the unjust. For try as we might, we're all still subject to the challenges of pain and anguish, death and separation, to the unavoidable impermanence of our material existence. And yet, the very fact that none is spared suggests that none is ever truly alone since we all partake in this passing reality, stumbling from triumph to disaster and back again, and dealing with what life throws at us as best we can. So may this unavoidable fact of our shared human condition foster empathy, compassion, and loving mutual support. May the stories of all those who have gone before us, ordinary flesh and blood people just like us, 
May these stories remind us of the deep reserves of courage and strength that lie within each and every one of us, vulnerable as we are in the here and now. And may the transient nature of this life compel us to savour every precious moment, while also reminding us, particularly in our most trying and precarious times, that this too shall pass. And let's take a moment now to focus our loving thoughts and prayers on all those who are suffering in our world right now. Maybe through ill health or oppression, injustice or sheer bad luck. And let us also pray for those who care, who act and speak out to improve the lot of those in need. For indeed all of us suffer and all of us can tend to the suffering of others in one way or another. So in a moment or two of stillness now, let's call to mind a person or a situation that's particularly in need of our prayers this day. And let's take another moment now to focus our thoughts and our prayers on all that we have to be grateful for right now. All the kindness, beauty and pleasure we have known and witnessed. In this moment of stillness, let us call to mind something we feel moved to give thanks for. Spirit of life, God of all love, as this time of prayer comes to a close, we offer up our joys and our concerns, our hopes and our fears, our beauty and our brokenness, and we call on you for insight, healing and renewal. As we look forward to the coming week, help us to live well each day and be our best selves, using our unique gifts in the service of love, justice and peace. Amen. We've got a reading now. Uh, our very own Anthony, Anthony Bunsey, kindly pre-recorded it for us a few days ago. Um, it's a piece which you might well find rather poignant because it refers to so many of the aspects of church life which we're missing right now. But I'll say more about that later. It's a piece by the Unitarian Universalist Minister, Victoria Safford, and it's called Why Do You Come, John? Why Do You Come, John? by Victoria Safford. I knew a man once who came to church every Sunday. You may find nothing remarkable in this, but think of it. A man who came every single Sunday, and it was not that he lacked other things to do. I knew him only in the last years of his life. A birthright Unitarian, a retired geologist who, when he was not at church, was a volunteer for Amnesty International, 
for the local food bank, for the Civil Liberties Union, for the Family Planning Clinic, the AIDS Project, for the Unitarian Universalist District we were part of, for nature conservation, and for a splendid community chorus. Busier than any of us, still holding full-time jobs, he was a committed, effective, and clear about what he could and would, by his own standards, should contribute to the causes he cared for, the world and the people that he cared for. But what set him apart from all of us was that he came every single Sunday, and because of hearing loss, I think, more than any sense of his own importance, he sat in the front row. Why do you come, John, in all kinds of weather, when you're well and when you're not, when you like the guest speaker and when you know you won't? Why do you come every Sunday? I asked him this not long before he died. His answer was straightforward, just like the man himself. I come, he said, because somebody might miss me if I didn't. He said it in a way not arrogant at all, but generously and honestly. He was the kind of person who saw it as his duty and his privilege to welcome newcomers on the Sunday morning, not because he needed more friends himself. The man was 80 years old, with a lifetime of friends and colleagues and acquaintances to spare. He had plenty of friends already, more than he could handle. No. He did it not because he especially wanted to evangelise the visitors, or grow the church. In truth, he loved and missed the tiny congregation he joined in 1955, and he felt a little lost with so many new faces, a little sad at all the changes he'd seen down the years. Yet he greeted people as they came, and steered them towards the minister or the coffee pot, the Sunday school, the guest book, the standing order forms, the sign-up sheets, because he felt it was the right and only thing to do. When people come into your home, you welcome them as if nothing in that moment matters more. He worked hard on Sunday mornings. He got up on Sundays expecting to work hard, to make others feel at home. He came with that in mind. And he was right. After he died, we missed him when he didn't come. And do you know what happened? The Sunday after his funeral, someone new, who'd never met John and now would never have the chance, walked right in and sat down in his empty place in that front row. The whole family just sat right down as if they owned the place, as if they had every right to be there, as if they were glad to be seen. Two women new to the town, and their toddler and their baby. They came hoping there was room, and there was. And John himself would have been delighted. So we've come now to a time of meditation. Once again, you might like to wiggle and get as comfortable as you can in your chair, if you're in a chair, in your bed, if you're in your bed. You might want to put your feet on the floor to ground and steady yourself. You might want to close your eyes or you might want to focus on the little chalice flame. I'm going to read some words adapted from a piece by Philip Hewitt, a much loved Unitarian minister who served in the UK and Canada and who died a few years ago, sadly. His words on meaning and value will take us into a good few minutes of shared stillness and the silence will come to an end with some lovely gentle music from Sandra. But as ever, you are 
free to think your own thoughts, free to meditate in your own way. So let's share in the spirit of meditation and prayer now. Let your body settle if you can. Let your breathing fill you with the energizing power of the spirit as your body and mind begin to quieten down. Here we sit in our separate rooms, but in spirit at least, we are side by side. Each of us unique, each here for our own reasons, but a shared intention brings us together to celebrate those values that enlarge our lives with meaning in ways that have drawn us from many places to gather here for these all too brief moments. Albert Schweitzer wrote, in religion, we try to find an answer to the elementary question with which each one of us is newly confronted each morning, namely, what meaning and what value is to be ascribed to our life? My life, your life, our life. Individually and together, we celebrate our questionings and hopes and commitments. We look to the coming days, seeking the resources to meet all challenges with resilience, enterprise and mutual support, drawing together on the deep wellsprings of the spirit. Beneath our agreements and our disagreements, our fads and our facetiousness, we would feel ourselves responding to the rhythms of a community which was there before we came and will be there after we have gone. Rhythms through which the perpetual call to ongoing life inspires our work and our worship, our discussions and our decisions. So let us be faithful in heeding that call. Let us be thoughtful in our planning, wise in our acting and steadfast in our love. Much can be expressed in words, but there is more that lies beyond words. So let all voices be stilled as we seek together the insights and meanings and intentions that can flow into us through the silence.
So I've got something a little bit different for you in our ceremony slot this morning. A few weeks ago, as part of my ministry training, I had to give a short presentation on the history of this congregation of Essex Church. Now, I'm about to give you a very abridged summary in about six and a half minutes, I think. It won't be long and painful. And afterwards, I'll explain why, why it's relevant to our topic today. Now, I think at least a few of you here this morning will be familiar with the story, the history of Essex Church, otherwise known as Kensington Unitarians. But in truth, London being what it is, and certainly given our newly broadened catchment area since we've been meeting on Zoom, the turnover of people coming to our services is and always been quite high. So it's likely quite a few of you won't have heard this story before. I'm going to show some slides of our illustrious forebears and their impressive hair and beard arrangements in order to keep it lively as possible, but I will also keep it brief. So let me introduce you to this fine fellow and his bouffant hair, Theophilus Lindsay. He's a very significant figure in the history of this congregation and in the history of Unitarianism in general. He started out in the Church of England, he was ordained in the 1740s, but over the decades that followed, his conscience began to nag at him, particularly in relation to the requirement that all clergy subscribe to the 39 Articles, a statement defining Anglican, i.e. Trinitarian, doctrine. He had personally started coming round to a Unitarian-ish position, and although he tried to reform the church from within to allow more freedom of belief, by 1773 he gave up, he resigned as the vicar of Catterick in Yorkshire, and he and his wife came down to London. This was a big deal. He gave up his livelihood to do something that was really quite radical at the time. His friends then egged him on to start a new congregation of like-minded people down south, so he rented a room from an auctioneer in Essex House near the Strand, and he held the first service in 1774. This is approximately what it would have looked like, though this is a picture of a, a, of a centenary event. There were 200 people at that first gathering, including the likes of Benjamin Franklin, Joseph Priestley, and a number of big political and legal names of the time, even though at that point openly anti-Trinitarian preaching was still technically against the law. Supposedly there were government agents present to keep an eye on things, but generally the press reported it sympathetically and treated Lindsay as a, as a person of great conscience. Lindsay's friends were quite well off. They chipped in to buy the freehold of this building, Essex House, and they built a chapel, the Essex Street Chapel, on this site, which flourished for the next half century. But over time, the demographics of the city changed. People moved out of the city of London, out towards the suburbs. And by the 1880s, the congregation was in decline. They were thinking about closing down altogether. Meanwhile, this fine fellow, Robert Spears, not such great hair, fulsome beard, he was another very significant figure in Unitarian history, came from the northeast, was largely self-taught, started out Trinitarian with the Methodists, but he became personally convinced that the Bible itself was thoroughly Unitarian, so he went about vigorously spreading this Bible-based Unitarianism. He also ended up down south, founded several congregations, including one in West London, and this Kensington congregation started off meeting in rented rooms in 1867. They moved around a bit, but within seven years, they'd built up enough of a head of steam to move to a settled site. James Clark Lawrence, who was later the Lord Mayor of London, bought some land in what was known as the Kensington Gravel Pits, and I believe that's where the church still is now. And this temporary iron church made of literally of corrugated iron was put up 
Um, by the 1880s, this congregation was well on the way to run, raising funds for a new, larger church. And this is where the two strands of the story join together. This is the point where Lindsay's original Essex Street Chapel was shrinking and looking for something to do rather than close. So to cut a long story short, the two congregations decided to merge and met on the Kensington site and the Essex Church money hastened the move to demolish the temporary church and build a fancy new Gothic building like that. And that's on Palace Gardens Terrace. Um, the congregation from that point became known as Essex Chapel, later Essex Church. And that was a bid to assert continuity with this original first avowedly Unitarian congregation that Lindsay had started because that was something to be proud of. So only bits and pieces of records from this time are accessible to me. But in his book, Telling the History of Our Congregation, written in the 1980s, uh, Raymond Williams looks back a hundred years to the 1880s and he made this comment that I thought was quite significant. He said, it appears that most walk, lived within walking distance of the church, but it's equally evident that even in those years, many left the district after a few years and the area was even then assuming its modern character as a dormitory for birds of passage. I like that phrase. Now, not many of us live in walking distance anymore. Um, but I was surprised to hear that even going on 150 years ago, the turnover of people was really high. Still, they grew and expanded their activities in the early 20th century. They had a huge Sunday school, hundreds of kids. But after the war, the numbers started to decline again. The building started to show its age, uh, to knock the steeple down first because it was unstable. And besides, the church was getting a bit too big for the congregation. So they decided to demolish and redevelop in the 1970s. For a few years, the congregation met in hired rooms again. And also at this time, over this period, the theological centre of gravity started to shift as well. It wasn't quite so Christian-centred, gradually more humanist influences and influences from other sources. So there's the present day building, which many of us know and love and currently very much miss. It was opened in 1977. It's beautiful and flexible and quirky, and it's got an annoyingly leaky roof. But to squeeze this service, uh, squeeze this story into six and a half minutes, obviously I am leaving a lot of history out. Just from having been here 21 years myself, I'm already conscious of all the history of the church that has unfolded before my eyes. All the devoted and hardworking and influential people who've passed through the congregation over the years and given so much of themselves to keep the show on the road. And that made me think a bit more about all the stuff that doesn't get written down for posterity. It gets forgotten perhaps. I wanted to include this picture. We had a jolly good party back in 2017 to celebrate the 40th anniversary of the building. But again, it's one of the things I found strange when I was reading up on our history. So much of it was about the buildings and a fair amount about the ministers and other notable figures. But on the whole, I read this list of names and I didn't feel I knew much about them really. It's harder to get a sense of real people, congregational life, the deeper stuff that actually draws us together and which has presumably drawn people to Essex Church for 246 years now. Because as much as we love our church building, that's not primarily what we come for, is it? And we can say that with some confidence now, having mostly been in a kind of exile for six months. So I really wanted to include this slide too, to affirm that even while we're not meeting in our beloved building, we're still in continuity with that first congregation from Essex Church, from Essex Street rather, from the congregation in the Iron Church, the Gothic Church, the rented rooms, 
us on Zoom is part of the same story, us mucking about with comedy vegetables at the Harvest Festival last week. And I bet the people in all of those previous churches had a laugh now and then as well. Now you might wonder why I've given you that whistle-stop tour of our church's history. Here's why. In today's service, we're just beginning to explore the question, why are we here? And it occurred to me that one significant but often overlooked part of the answer to that question is, we're here because when we, each of us that's here today, when we went in search of a spiritual home, this church was sat there ready and waiting for us, ready for us to discover. Someone founded this congregation, Theophilus Lindsay, broke away from the mainstream at great personal cost to gather that first Unitarian congregation on Essex Street. And a continuous chain of hands has sustained it ever since, kept it alive over 246 years, most of them not recorded in the history books, especially the women. They remain unheralded and anonymous, but faithful stewards all the same. Because of them, their vision, their labour, their care, this congregation has survived so that when each of us went looking for a progressive religious home, whether that was 40 years ago or 40 minutes ago or somewhere in between, it was still here for us to stumble across. And for some of us, for me at least, that's been a life-changing gift, a treasure handed down the ages. And now it's our turn. It's up to us to be custodians of this church, this congregation, this Unitarian tradition, and keep it in good nick for the generations yet to come. Like John, the, the character in that story that Anthony read for us earlier, it's up to us to show up and be here to welcome the next person that needs us, that needs this progressive religious community and whose life might be changed by it in turn. The church hasn't stayed the same over all that time. Of course it hasn't. We've been through all those different church buildings and times without a building. The emphasis of the theology has shifted. Although we've kept the name Unitarian, we've come to draw on a much wider range of sources than the Bible-based faith of our forebears. The shape and the style of the worship has changed radically and it is still evolving. Despite all these changes though, there's something constant, enduring that remains. If you look back through our story, through our history, some key values emerge, some principles and purposes. Many of those values are directly inherited from the Christian tradition we came out of, even if the religious language we typically use these days has changed a bit over the intervening years. Maybe we don't anymore make reference or much reference to the commandment to love God and love our neighbour. But I'd suggest that the spirit of this commandment, the spirit of love itself, is still at the very heart of all we do even if some of us might prefer to substitute good for God and talk about the very human acts of kindness and solidarity that are an expression of our faith. Maybe, in this congregation at least, we Unitarians don't talk about the kingdom of God so much anymore, although personally it's a phrase I love, but we might speak instead of the beloved community when referring to this better world that we dream of, a better world which is at hand, which we can catch glimpses of wherever acts of love and justice are still carried out. So why are we here? I could perhaps summarise with three P's. Place, people and purpose. When I say place, I mean there was somewhere, either a building or a virtual space for us to gather, for you and me to walk in or log in for the first time, a place that was waiting for us. 
when I say people, I mean there has been a continuous community of those who were willing, like the faithful chap John in the reading, people who were willing to give their hearts to a particular community, offering care and mutual support and keeping the show on the road. And when I say purpose, I mean the church is more than just a social club for people like us. There is something we are called to do in the world, values we share, a love that we are called to embody. Personally, there are reasons why I came here and not to the Anglicans or to the Buddhists or to a philosophy class, though all of those gatherings are worthy in their own way. It matters what we stand for, what our particular mission is, and each week when the people are gathered in the place or the virtual place, we all call each other back to this greater loving purpose. There's a lot more we could say about why we're here as individuals and collectively. And as this is just part one of a two part, I will lead you to leave you to ponder that question for yourself in the week ahead before we hear more from Janine and Charlotte and Roy next Sunday. But for now, I'll close this sermon with an echo of our opening words from Kimberly and Tom Jack Carlson. It is not by chance that you arrived here today. You've been looking for something larger than yourself. Inside of you there is a yearning, a calling, a hope for more, a desire for a place of belonging and caring. And so you began seeking beloved community, a people that does not put fences around love, a community that holds its arms open to love's possibilities, a heart home to nourish your precious soul and share your gifts. Welcome home. Amen. Time for us to sing now, together but apart, a stirring old traditional hymn tune for us today, Forward Through the Ages, a hymn which affirms our part in a much longer story, a story of faithful spirits being called, inspired over the years to come together for a greater purpose, using whatever gifts we have to help bring about a better world, a reign of love and light. Don't worry, Janine is going to make sure we've got all our microphones muted for this bit, so you can belt it out safe in the knowledge that only your neighbours will hear. If the technology behaves itself, the words will shortly appear on screen and you can sing along with a recording kindly provided by the Unitarian Music Society, but do feel free just to listen in if you'd rather.
time for announcements now. Um, thanks to uh, Janine and Jenny for co-hosting today. Uh, thanks to Anthony for our reading and Sandra for the lovely music. As usual, there are a number of opportunities coming up in the week ahead for us to connect. Uh, Coffee morning is a little bit early this week. It's at 10 o'clock because me and Sarah have got somewhere else to be at 11. So um, remember, it's an early start. Heart and Soul is available this week on the whimsical theme of the weather. Uh, there are a few spaces tonight and on Friday. Uh, be in touch with me if you want to sign up for either of those. It's a contemplative spiritual gathering, uh, much more interactive than our Sunday services where, where we pray together and share the the joys and struggles of our lives um you know i would recommend it but i do uh don't forget there'll be virtual coffee time after the service today uh, where we can chat in small breakout groups so if you'd like to stick around for that just 10 15 minutes or so um and even if you're not staying for that it'd be lovely if you stayed to the end of the closing music because we like to take a, a group photo to to keep a record of, of, of our life online so we'll be back again on Zoom next Sunday at 10 for part two with, as I said, Janine, Charlotte and Roy sharing their views. Bring your friends. Uh, it's really fine to share the link with trusted others. And in this time while we're online, it actually makes it easier for those who are a bit curious to try us out in a low pressure way. So, so why not? The more the merrier. We've just got some brief closing words now, followed by some more lovely music to end. So I invite you to select gallery view at this point so we can all see each other and get a sense of our community connectedness for this closing words. Our time of worship draws to a close. Soon we'll turn our attention back to the everyday happenings of our individual lives and this gathered community will disperse for another week. So whatever we've found of worth in this shared hour, maybe a sense of comfort or connection, inspiration or insight may we carry a little of that good stuff out with us as we go on our way and see if we can pass it on share our blessings with others and in the week ahead whatever it brings our way may we each remember that we're part of a larger story each of us faithful spirits following the call divine towards that reign of love and light builders of the beloved community that better world we all dream of Stay safe, everyone, and see you next week, if not before. Amen.